Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. We are going through the last chapter, the book of Jonah, and we are dealing with it, and we're going to be finishing it, and so next week we will be doing a different study. Next week we'll be, uh, been praying about, and I think we'll be in Hosea next week. So that is something that I believe God will want us to study next week. So be prepared for that <clears throat> as well. If you want to read ahead for Hosea, Jonah chapter 4 is on page 796 in the Red Bible. If you don't have it marked there, that's where it is. And, of course, we've seen through this whole book that Jonah's, um, Jonah's call to the Ninevites, Jonah's uh, reluctance to go and preach to the Ninevites and running away from God and getting on a boat to Tarshish where he is cast into the sea and swallowed by a big fish. God then... After three days, spews him up on the fish, spews him up on the dry land, and he goes then to Nineveh and preaches the word. The king and the people then repent. God then changes his mind and doesn't uh, slay them or doesn't destroy them. And so now we're going to read about Jonah's response to God's changing of his heart and changing of his mind. So, <clears throat> verse 1 of chapter 4. Now this greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Jonah was angry because God chose to not pass judgment. How many times have that, has that been us? Maybe sometimes. Maybe not often. But there are, I'm sure there, there's been times in my life whenever one of my brothers was, was not acting like they should and my mom or my dad was going to punish them but they said they were sorry and the punishment was still there but it was lighter than what I was anticipating so I was upset about that. Jonah in the same way, was upset that God chose not to judge them. He chose not to destroy them. Jonah, for it was strange because Jonah, uh, usually the, the, the preacher is pleased when the congregation repents, but Jonah wasn't. There was something about the whole matter that displeased Jonah. <clears throat> that is a hard issue. That's a hard issue. Jonah was not um, totally surrendered to God in that moment. Jonah's heart was not right before God. 
because normally it does give us delight and joy when somebody repents. It does give us joy, a, a, a joyful time when somebody repents, but not Jonah. Jonah was still seeing the people as this a sinful group that needed to be destroyed. Not only was this strange, it was very strange because Jonah was very upset at the success of this preaching. We should not miss Jonah's intensity here because the language in the original Hebrew is very strong. He was very upset, very upset at his own success. That is a heart issue. Verses 2 and 3. <clears throat> he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, this is not what I said while I was still in, in my own land. This is the reason that I fled before to Tarshish, because I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in faithfulness, and ready to relent from punishment. Therefore, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He didn't want to go because he knew God would forgive them. That's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to talk to that person in Walmart or in the grocery store because I know that they'll accept Christ and I don't want them to because they don't deserve it. So in his, um, in his prayer, he then says, I knew that you were a gracious God and a merciful God. So, kill me. I shouldn't live. Kill me. So he's not, he's not saying this is a Let's not misunderstand. This is not a, a person that's feeling so bad that he feels this way that he wants to die. He feels this way because it's a, a, a moment of manipulation, I would say. Because he is saying to God, well, then just kill me. I didn't get what I want, so kill me. I don't want to live anymore. It's better for me to die because I didn't get my way. I'm going to pick up my toys and go home. Just kill me. It wasn't because he was so distraught and felt bad about what he was thinking. That wasn't it at all. He didn't want to live anymore because he didn't get his way. Does that sound like an adult? I mean, really. Do it, some adults act that way. A lot of adults act that way. But is it really, a, is it really an, an adult trait? No. It's a childish trait. He's not, he didn't want to do it. God judged him. He went and did it. And he did it with the wrong heart. Still God honored that preaching and relented from his punishment and still his heart was wrong and still he didn't get what he wanted. So God, I didn't get what I want, so kill me. Kill me, God, I didn't get what I wanted. And he went and he stomped off, picked up his toys and went on his way, so to speak. 
Just kill me. I want to die. How many teenage daughters have we heard, or women, or friends we were, that was so horrible, I just want to die. How many times have we heard that? We hear that a lot. I heard that a lot in high school. I'm sure we heard that a lot with our with girlfriends and acquaintances and I just want to die. That's what Jonah's doing. He's throwing a hissy fit. Jonah was angry because God granted repentance to the Ninevites and the Assyrians were enemies of Jonah or of Judah and Israel. Jonah wanted God to bring judgment upon these people he hated. I hate him, so kill him. Basically, is what he's I hate him. But see, there's the difference between God and us. God and Jonah, God and us. We have the capability of hating, and hating in such a way that we don't want to relent in that hatred. God has the capability of hating. Because it says in Scripture that if we are not walking with Him, we are enemies of God. So He has the capability of hating. But the moment that that person that He has enmity with turns their heart toward Him, that's gone. That's gone. He loves. He protects. He saves but not us as humans. If we hate someone, we hate them. See, the thing that happens with us is we might dislike somebody to start with, but over time, that dislike becomes hatred. And Jesus said in the scripture, in the gospels, that if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. So if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. Jonah, by spiritual standpoint, was committing murder spiritually. Jonah hated them so much he wanted them to die. And you know, that begs the question, someone asked me this once, and I think I've said it here multiple times before, how much do you have to hate someone to send them to hell? He had a lot of hate for them, obviously. God did what he was going, told Jonah he was going to do, and he, Jonah still was angry. Jonathan Swift, a commentator, wrote some stuff about Jonah's frame of mind here. And uh, here's what he wrote about that. We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven crammed. That's a little poem. See, that's the mentality that sometimes we have in our own lives, and churches can have those. The us for and no more mentality, where we don't want anybody else coming in and cramping our way of doing things, challenging our way of doing things. We don't want people coming in doing that because we are the chosen few. There's no room for you here. 
no place for you in heaven. That's what Jonah was thinking. There's no place for them. And you know what happens eventually there begins to be no place for us because of our own thinking and our own mentality. <clears throat> Jonah himself called on the mercy of God and enjoyed the mercy of God when it was extended to Jonah. Now he relents, or, or now he resents it when it is extended to others. What if God treated Jonah the way Jonah wanted God to treat the people of Nineveh? There's a principle there for today, 2023. There's a principle there. What if God treated us the way we want God to treat the ones that we dislike? Get them, God. They don't deserve heaven. What if God said that about us? You don't deserve heaven. You don't deserve to be in my presence. You don't deserve that. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. What if that was us? Oh, heaven forbid, don't, don't let it be us. It's them. Jonah was that way. Don't let it be me. I'm, I'm good, I'm a prophet, but they're not worthy. I am, but they're not. And we get into his little hissy fit here. For it's better for me to die than to live. Boo-hoo-hoo. -hoo. The repentance and salvation of the people of Nineveh is so painful to Jonah that he would rather die than think about it. And he, and he also states that this was the reason he fled, to call, fled the call, not out of fear that he would be ineffective, but fear that he would be effective. He hated him so bad. He was so confident in his own preaching that he fled from the call. I'm not going to that city. Those people are horrible. God will forgive them, and I'm not going there, and I just can't deal with that. The mentality in that. The mentality in that. Verse 4. Then the Lord answered, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? That's a question we need to ask ourselves in our daily lives, isn't it? Somebody does something and we need to remember to ask, is it right for you to be angry about this? And then even more, why are you angry? Why? What is it about the fact that, why are you angry? We know why Jonah's angry. <clears throat> Jonah was angry because he didn't want them saved. He wanted them to be, perish. But for us today, we need, to, we need to remember that question. Was it right to be that angry? Jonah, in expressing his anger against God, was being honest about his feelings, something good, but we should not for a moment think that all our feelings towards God are justified. So express your feelings, right? It's a good thing to express your feelings, express your anger. But you don't throw the bath out with the, or the baby out with the bath water. God relented and didn't judge. So that means everything God does is wrong, right? In Jonah's mind. 
Not necessarily. It's never, God never does everything wrong. God doesn't do anything wrong. God does everything right. God does, has a reason for why he does what he does. God chose to save them because they repented. God chose to save them because they turned their heart. And that is something that Jonah should have been, yippee, a whole city saved. But that wasn't the case. God likes to ask us questions because they reveal our heart. It also puts us on proper ground before God because He has every right to question us and we owe Him answers. God has every right to question us. You have people that, you're, that are under you. I don't want to say kids because not everybody has kids in here. But you have people that you have influence over, right? We have influence over people. It's right for us to ask those questions of our kids, of our friends, people that look up to us. It's right for us to ask questions. Why are you angry? Was that appropriate? Was that something that should have been done? Why do we ask those questions? Why does God ask those questions? God asks those questions because we need to understand that God is trying to make us better. Why do we ask questions to the, the people that's under us? Why, why, why are you doing this? Why, why this? Why that? Because we want to understand where they're coming from. We want to guide them to be better than they were before. That's what God is doing here. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament again, farther back to Genesis 3. Set the setting, set the scene. Abraham, or not Abraham, that's long line. Adam and Eve were in the garden. The serpent came and deceived Eve. She took a bite of the apple. Then she talked Adam into taking a bite of the apple. They both realized they were naked. They hid and they put on clothes and, and they hid from God. Questions God asked them. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? And what is this you've done? Where are you? Let's look at that question. God asks us that sometimes. Where are you? Not like, well, I'm sitting right here in the sanctuary or I'm in my car driving. Not, that's not where are you. He's talking about where are you in here? Where are you in your heart? Where are you in your thinking? Where are you? And God gives us promises. And the enemy will then take those promises and twist them, such as the second question, who told you you were naked? Who told you this? Who made you disbelieve me? We disbelieve God on a lot of things. The reason they found out they didn't have any clothes on is because they disbelieved God. God said, do not eat of the tree. And they did. What is this you have done? So God wants us to then acknowledge our sin. 
He wants us to acknowledge our sin. I've done this against you. David does a beautiful psalm in Psalm 51 where he says, Against you and only you I have sinned. Against you and only you have I sinned, God. And that repentant psalm changes David's life. He, he acknowledged his sin. We are to acknowledge our sin and be honest with God. We don't go before God and say, well, I sinned, yeah, but it was because of so-and-so and so-and-so in this circumstance. No. David could have said, oh, I slept with Bathsheba because she was just so nice looking down there taking a bath. I couldn't help myself. It wasn't my fault. It was hers. No, David didn't do that. Against you and only you have I sinned. Not only did he sleep with her, he got her pregnant and then had her husband murdered. He wasn't making excuses. We make excuses. We make excuses. God is, has other questions. Jesus said this to them, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do we say Jesus is? Somebody says, what's so different about you? I go to church. Okay. But why? What is so different? Why are you always cheerful when all this stuff's going on in your life? Why? What do we say? Having a good day. I don't got to complain yet. A lot of things that I, one of the things that I say all the time, how was how your day going? Well, I say, well, um, can't complain yet. I say that a lot. But that's just a joke. But when somebody asks us, what's different about you? Do we say, oh, it's just Jesus? Well, who is this Jesus? He's my Lord, my Savior. Come to church and you'll find out more about him. Who do you say he is? Matthew 20, Jesus asks us another question. What do you want me to do for you? This is us realizing, this God wants us to realize we can ask him for things. Jesus said, if you ask for anything in my name, it'll be done for you. According to his will, by the way. A little caveat there. You can't say, Lord, I want a Lamborghini by tomorrow. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Can't say that because that might not be in God's will. But you can ask for things for God, in God's will and it will be done for you. We can go to God. We can ask. We can answer God when he says, what do you want me to do for you? Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas Iscariot. Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? All these questions, Jesus or God, wants to know the, our heart, the picture of our heart. He already knows it. He already knows it, but he wants us to acknowledge that. He wants us to acknowledge our heart.
and how wrong it is and how we need to turn to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The book of Acts. He's asking this question because he wants Saul to look at his heart. God is calling us to look at our heart. God's calling, God asked these questions of Jonah because he wanted Jonah to examine his own heart. Yes, Jonah was angry toward God, and yes, it was all right for Jonah to, to state his anger toward God, but he must also repent of his anger toward God. Anger's okay. I sat under a teaching a long time ago with uh, my pastor I got saved under, and he said it's okay to be angry with God. It's okay to ask God why, as long as you repent. As long as you repent. Because if you're asking God, God will answer you. But you have to repent from that state of mind. You have to repent from that state of mind because if you stay in that state of mind, you'll walk away from God. And I don't want you walking away from God. I don't want to walk away from God. Let's go on here, verse 5 to verse 8. <clears throat> so Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made for himself a booth there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would happen in the, to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah and provided shade for him, his head, to provide comfort from his grief. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant so that it, would, so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so that he became faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, Jonah is angry with God. Here's the difference between God and man, okay? Jonah is angry with God, yells at God, admits that he's going to, that he, that he didn't do what he wanted because he didn't want to do it, because he knew that God would forgive them. Now, for us, somebody said that to us or somebody did something to us like that and admitted it, how horrible it was, that something that they did, we would have nothing to do with them for a while or maybe never again. God, in his mercy and his love, provided comfort for Jonah. But then yet he tests Jonah. He gave God shade of a plant to cool his head. But then he appointed a worm and the sun and the wind as a test. 
Just as God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, now he, was, now he prepared a particular plant to shelter Jonah as he waited, hoping that the city would be destroyed. He was showing Jonah that he had compassion upon himself in his sinful state, just as much compassion as he had for the Ninevites in their sinful state because they repented. Now, <clears throat> this is the first time Jonah was happy. Jonah was pleased because at last, after all the compassion of God for other people, God was finally doing something for Jonah. Selfish, of course, it was, and petty too. We could say that Jonah's happiness was just as fleshly as his anger. Both were all about self. He was angry because God didn't do what he wanted. And he was happy because he got what he wanted. That's fleshly. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so that it grew faint. Jonah was angry with God because he brought, he brought the people of Nineveh to repentance. The ancient Hebrew word for angry is literally to not, to be hot. Now God would let Jonah feel some of that heat. <clears throat> so, Wayne, you ever seen Inside Out? That Disney movie, Inside Out? It's about a personality you have a, four, four pieces of personality, and it's a Pixar movie. There's joy, sadness, uh, something else, and, and disgust, and, and anger. Well, and what? Fear? Fear. So it's, it's five. So anyway, there's the hothead, right? He blows up, fire comes off his head. Jonah was a hothead. Jonah was a hothead. God wanted him to feel some of that. This is what it's like, Jonah. This is, what you're, this is what you're conveying. You feel that heat on your head? That's how your anger is. It's hot. You're a hothead. That's where we get that term. You're a hothead. When God took the plant, when God took the plant and it's pleasant, shelter away from Jonah. He missed the plant so much that he wanted to die. I'm so hot, I just want to die. I'm so hot, I want to die. Charles Spurgeon says this, if, dear friends, like Jonah, you want to complain, you will soon have something to complain for. People who are resolved to fret generally make for themselves causes for fret fretfulness. How many of us told our kids when they were younger, if you, stop, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about? Right? God was doing that with Jonah. He gave him something to complain about. There's nothing to complain about. He was doing everything. God did everything that he told him he was going to do, and he, complained, he was complaining about it, and there's nothing to complain about. But let's give you something to complain about. You're hot? Fine. You want to die now? Complain about that, whatever. God was giving him something to complain about. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Another question. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you to be angry about their repentance? 
No. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He's asking another probing question. Where's your heart? Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah replied, it is right for me to be angry even to death. The Lord said, you are troubled about the plant for which you did not labor and did not grow. It came up in the night and perished in the night. Should I not therefore be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals. So they were ignorant, he's saying. They were ignorant to the blessings of God. They were ignorant to the, to the faithfulness of God. They don't know their right hand from their left. Now, Jonah, in response to God's question, felt totally justified in his anger about the sheltering plant's destruction. This is considering that the plant was just a plant, and Jonah had no personal interest or investment in the, plants, in the plant except what it provided for him at the moment. You see what's happening here? God is saying, I have a vested interest in these people. I created these people. I love these people. He had, Jonah had no, put, not put in anything to that, to that plant. He had no vested interest in that plant except for the fact that it sheltered him and gave him what he wanted. These people in Nineveh, God still loved them and they never gave him anything that he wanted. He loved the plant for what he could get out of it. God loved the people in, in spite of the fact that they didn't give him anything he wanted. Jonah made three errors that angry people often make. Each of these things put Jonah in the worst place, not a better place. He quit. Jonah quit. Jonah separated himself from others. Jonah became a spectator. That's textbook depression. You quit doing the things you enjoy. You separate yourself from other people. And you become a spectator. People, you begin to uh, live vicariously through others because you're depressed. He was depressed because he didn't get what he wanted. Is it right for you to be angry even to death? These are the last words of Jonah recorded in this book. But thankfully, they are not the last words of the book. God's mercy and compassion still worked with, Jonah's, with, with Jonah, teaching him and guiding him to God's heart. God wants us to understand that even though we are angry, even though we are far from God in our heart, he is still concerned for us. He still has compassion upon us. How much more should God be concerned 
about the construction, uh, destruction of persons who those made in his image. Even if, even if the, they are Assyrians, God's response to Jonah showed the prophet that he really didn't know God as well as he thought he did. How well do we know God? How well do we know God? Do we know him well? How do we get to know him? Through his word, through prayer, through coming together. That's how we get to know God. But see, I can't do all those three things for you. I can't pray in your place. I cannot read the word in your place. I cannot come to church in your place. If you choose not to do those things, you will lose your relationship with God. You will grow apart. Now, those who cannot discern between their right hand and their left are those who, unable, who are unable to make moral judgments. They know right from wrong, but they've not been told any other way. I think it's ignorant on our part to think that people don't know right from wrong. Everyone has a moral compass. You know what's right from wrong. But if you're not told another way, then you don't really know the true right. You don't really know the true right, Christ and God. The lesson is clear. Not only did God's concern for people go beyond Israel, but he is totally justified in doing so. The lesson of Jonah reminds us that God is the God for all people. And we see that in the New Testament. Right? These were the Ninevites were people that were outside of what people thought was the reach of God. They were outside the reach of God. God proved that to be untrue. And he saved them in Jonah's time. The New Testament, the same way. Jewish people, they were the chosen people of God. Gentiles were beyond the reach of the hand of God. God shown that to not be true in the life and ministry of Christ when he went to everyone except the religious leaders. Showing that God's hand goes farther beyond those he's just chosen. He's chosen all of us. Not just the Israelites, not just those that are within the church, the Christians. He's chosen those that are outside the four walls of the church. He's chosen those that we don't get along with. He's chosen everyone. The lesson of Jonah is what is proclaimed before being freed from the great fish. <clears throat> Salvation is in the Lord and not in, in any race or nation or class. Being rich is not going to get you to heaven. Being poor is not going to get you to heaven. Being a certain nationality or gender, it's not going to get you to heaven. Salvation is in the Lord. 
This is the same message God made clear to Peter in Acts 10, 34 and 35. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. So we are in equal footing with those that don't know God. You know why? Because we didn't know God for a while either. And we are still capable of walking away from the presence of God. We are still capable of walking out of that spout where the glory comes out. We're still out, we're still out, we still have that propensity because we live in a sin-fallen world in a sinful body. And we have freedom of choice. God says this, should I not pity Nineveh, the great city? Jewish tradition says that after God said these words of Jonah 4.11, Jonah then fell on his face and said, govern your word according to the measure of mercy. As it is said to the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness. That's from Daniel 9.9. We can only hope that Jonah and we would have such a humble response. God needs to, we need to have a humble response to God's judgments. God showed mercy to Jonah through a lot of preparation. The Lord prepared a great fish. The Lord prepared a plant. The Lord prepared a worm and the Lord prepared the wind. Nevertheless, the real work of preparation happened in Jonah. What God really prepared was a person a prophet, I would suggest that some of you here have to bear double trouble that God may be preparing you for double usefulness. Or he may be, be working out of you some unusual form of evil which might not be driven out of you unless his Holy Spirit had used these mysteries mysterious methods with you to teach you more fully his mind. Charles Spurgeon said those things. God uses our circumstances to work out our salvation. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means in trials and tests, in victories with God, we work out our salvation we, we get those things taken out of our lives that cause us to fall, that cause us to fail. And God ministers through us and to us. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your blessings. I just pray that, Lord, this word found root in our heart, that we would begin to look at ourselves, look at our own hearts, and that, Lord, we would examine and be honest with ourselves as we're honest with you. And I pray you would touch each and every person here. Overflow them with your presence, with love and peace and comfort, that they would truly feel your presence today. 
And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.